everybody to the indie podcast. Oh man, my brain is scrambled. Uh, the indie pod daily show. I'm your host, Super Joe Pardo, and I am here today with an incredible guest for Wisdom Wednesday. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, we're talking about longevity in podcasting and more. We're going to dive into uh, a couple of different topics here with our guest. And uh, I, if you have any questions, please, please, please hand them down into the Facebook chat, and I will get we will get on them. We will answer all of those questions. And before I get into that, this episode of the IndiePod Daily Show is brought to you by the Independent Podcast University, or as I've been calling it, the U. Because uh, it is all about you and getting your podcast launched, grown, and monetized. And uh, it's been it's been awesome. We've been growing many members uh, every every day. There seems to be another member jumping in on the bandwagon uh, to learning how to get launched, grown, and monetized. And uh, there's 150 plus hours of uh, you know podcasting resources. Podcast. I was trying to say podcast conference resources, past talks, and things all included there inside of the university there's a community and so and a weekly calls and goal uh, tracking and more uh, so go over to indiepodu.com and get signed up today uh, also if you want to get a free ride into the indiepod university go over to to indiepodcasters.com slash tube to sign up uh, to hit the subscribe button and we will be picking one on free ride friday which is a coming up this friday also don't forget icon six face to face the virtual event happening september 12th on zoom tickets on sale now go over to indiepodcasters.com slash icon six all right everybody uh let me get my my guest today has been podcasting for a tremendous amount of time i don't really feel he needs some super big long intro but he he is awesome and i am appreciative of him spending some of his Wednesday afternoon to come and hang out with us. Everybody, I need super claps in the chat for Super Rob Greenley. Woo! What is going on, Rob? How are you feeling today? I'm feeling terrific, Joe. It's great to be on your show. It's great. Thank you. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's great always to an amazing, your... amazing production that you have. I love the, <laughs> the background imaging and, and all that stuff. It's, it's fun. It's oh, thank you. Yeah, I, try, I'm try, awesome. I try to keep it, you know, fun and, and always looking to improve and change and, you know, keep it, uh, keep it moving. Right. As they, as they say. Yeah. Um, so you, you spoke today at, uh, at pod, at pod fest, right. Uh, as mm-hmm. well as I, as did I, uh, how was your, how was your experience? How was your talk or, or I uh, guess, um, yeah, uh, it was a panel. Yeah. It was a session that I did actually just wrapped up like, uh, 27 minutes ago <laughs> so it just uh <laughs> it just finished uh two hours of a panel with five of us on the panel so it was talking about the kind of global podcasting trends right around how people are engaging with content and listening to content and from all over the globe so we had people from you know all over the globe on the show so it was great that's awesome that's awesome uh yeah. Yeah, I I'd seen uh it, Todd Cochran was on there as well as uh Mark Asquith. Mhm. Awesome. Yep. And awesome, James awesome. James Cridlin from Pod News. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. yeah, he's in the he's in the uh IndiePod 
community as well. I, yep. I couldn't read the names. I saw Todd re screened it um, or, or rebroadcasted it or something, but but the quality was like super low. I couldn't read the names, so I wasn't sure who everybody in there was. Oh, but that's awesome! <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome! That's awesome! Um, so so all right, tell everybody how long have you been podcasting for, Rob? I guess it's been about sixteen years now because I I started in um, well officially podcasting in uh, September of two thousand. And four, so but I was doing online um, audio prior to that. I started that in 1999. So I started doing streaming and making my audio show available for download off my website. Actually, back in the early days, and then started working with some podcasting precursor platforms too. During that span of time from 99 to, to 2004, when podcasting started. So yeah, so I've been around it for a while. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah no that is that is awesome did you did you think that podcasting was for you like when you when you first got into it did you did you foresee like this long tail uh you know growth uh into into this big massive universe called podcasting well i didn't start out at doing podcasting i started out doing a doing a radio show in a radio station and so i started doing that on a regular basis um actually live in the radio station so i was i was trying to manage the the callers and all that stuff into the show i had like three other co-hosts um so it was a it was an hour-long show i did every saturday morning so i i did that for a couple of years and then i wound up getting frustrated with the unreliability of the production in the radio station because of uh i I had a, a flow of guests that were coming into my show on a regular basis. And sometimes those guests wouldn't uh, call in on time during the commercial breaks. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a little frustrating. So I, I wound up building my own studio in my house, in my bedroom, in my spare bedroom and started pre-producing everything. So I was able to schedule, I was working full time too. I was able to schedule the, the interviews with the guests throughout the week during my lunch hour and uh and then piece it together on thursday and friday and then it was a complete show on saturday so i would put it out on streaming platforms and put it out as an mp3 file and i i deliver eventually i would deliver the show on cd to the radio stations that i was on I was on like uh i was in two radio stations in the seattle market and then i was on the satellite the xm satellite radio network for a couple of years too and i would upload my show to that platform so and then on you know, on the satellite side, on the distribution on satellite side. So I was doing a lot of different stuff back then. So it wasn't just podcasting. That was kind of like a add-on in 2004 that I was doing. It really didn't garner that much of an audience at the time. It was such a new thing, right? Um, so, but it steadily growed, and I wound up quitting the radio show and devoting full-time energy to helping other radio creators get their show online and start podcasting so that's kind of how i got pulled into this working helping others and and working on podcast distribution platforms that has led me to you know working at a place like uh Libsyn, uh which was actually when i started podcasting was the original podcast hosting platform that mm -hmm. um, i was very very familiar with back then as well i knew all of the founders of Libsyn and and actually worked for a startup company in Seattle that tried to buy Lipson in, in um, late 2000, well, in probably in early 2005. So I've had a long history with, with, with Lipson and, and with podcasting in, in, in general, but e even further back. Hmm. Oh, that's, that's awesome. 
Yeah. So, so what do you what do you think has helped you stay? I don't I don't want to say relevant, but uh, you know, uh, motivated in in po- in the podcasting space because I, I I know I've had a love hate relationship with it. It's only been six years of the mm-hmm. of your sixteen years. Right. So, um, what like what? Well, you know, what's some of the things or what's some of the experiences is that you've had that like have pulled you out of podcasting or made you, you know, think maybe sidelining it and then, and then pull yourself back into it. If you've had that experience at all. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's not always been, you know, a, a rocket ride of positive experiences in the podcasting space. I mean, it's not like it's been growing that really fast over the years and, and I've worked at, you know, companies like Microsoft in the podcasting realm. And it, it had its frustrating times. I have to say it wasn't always easy to try and compete against um, Apple and the iPod in, back in those days. <laughs> You're talking about the Zune? Is yeah, that, I'm is talking about the Zune, right. Which is really just a Toshiba media player that they Well, it was and... when it started, but it, it wound up being a pretty, pretty compelling little portable media player when it, towards the end, but, but its fate was sealed. Um, after that first Zoom device came out, and, and it was just a, a rebranded um, Samsung product, the, right? Was it? I thought it was Toshiba, but was it? I, I no, forget. no, I think it was a Toshiba. You're right. Let me yeah. see. I'm gonna I'm gonna look right. this up. Zoom. No, no, rebrand. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely a a product from what, one of those big tech companies that was making that kind of stuff back then. Yeah, there you go. Toshiba Zoom branded player right. made public. Right. 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 Uh, so, so it was a, you know, it was an okay device. I mean, I, I had one of those things and it was rock solid, but, um, but it was a little too boxy. It wasn't as sexy as the, the iPod. Right. And people, you know, there was a lot more content in the iTunes platform back then. And, and so it was just a constant run against, um, Apple on that side to get more content into it. You know, I got involved in getting, TV show content into the Zoom platform as well. So I, I kind of took on that project when I was working mm-hmm. there too. So I was working mm-hmm. on podcasting and TV and movie content into the platform. And then eventually it got absorbed by Xbox. And so Xbox had already had its kind of TV and movie team that, that was that was doing all that. And, um, and so, you know, it was really a great experience. So I got to work with a lot of the big studios and got to work with a lot of the big media companies in the early days of the podcasting medium back when in that time frame was actually very similar to what's happening right now. Um, uh, from the enthusiasm level of, of podcasting. And then we went through a little bit of a dry spell right around when social media launched. Um, you know, I'm talking about Facebook and Twitter and the 2007 timeframe when all the attention kind of went away from podcasting over to social media and the interest in the big media companies or whatever really waned. I mean, a lot of them shut down all their podcast operations and it, it became the, the realm of the indie podcasters um, for many, many years. Um, it started out that way, but then the big media companies came in and then they got disenchanted with it because it, they couldn't make money from it and, and they wound up abandoning it to go over and do a bunch of stuff with social media and YouTube and all that stuff. And, um, and years went by, you know, the medium kept growing, uh, and 
as you look at today, I mean, look at what's happening today. You know, you get Spotify and you're getting Pandora and you're getting all these big media companies getting back into the medium again, New York Times. And I mean, actually, the some of these bigger media companies really kind of abandoned, like I was saying, abandoned the, the medium. I kind of hold a little bit of a grudge about it now because I would go out and meet with some of these companies and they, they would just you know, trash podcasting. <laughs> and I would say, you know, you guys got to hang in there. You know, I've got a way that you guys can make money. You just need to do it. Right. And oftentimes they, they just didn't have the, the team or the motivation or the leadership just didn't get it. And, and it just didn't happen. So fast forward to today and you see everybody's jumping on the bandwagon now again. <laughs> yeah. Well, things go in waves, right? Like everything, everything right. goes in waves. And I mean, heck, even vinyls been making a comeback for the last decade. Yeah, you know? that's right. That's true. That's true. Uh, so th- things do go in waves. And, and I think that it's important for people to, uh, well, actually, you know what? It's funny, funny. We are even talking about like the Zune as a, as a whole, because, uh, Linus tech tips literally just did a, uh, standard media player review. Like they bought like eight, like standalone media players and was like, Hey, here's like the $50 one, the hundred dollar one, the $250 one, the $400 one. And we're like, which one actually sounds good. And like, why would you actually want something like this in this day and age where like right. my phone does all that anyway? Yeah. Um, and and there's so there, there's still a place in the world for things like that, just maybe not as prevalent as there as it once was, especially as like the watch, you know, form right. factor handles that. Like I just take my headphones, I pop my headphones in, I go running. Like I don't need my phone. Like I don't need my phone banging up against my thigh like for four miles. It's great, you know. It's not fun. It's not fun. Yeah, I'm telling you. Yeah, I think a lot of the re- reason why that the portable media players really had their their place for so long was because of battery life of uh, phones, right? Um, yeah. People wanted another device that they could consume media on that didn't drain their cell phone batteries. And to some degree, that's still a little bit of an issue today. I mean, our mobile phones don't last forever. You know, they they have to be recharged. And if you're listening and watching a lot of video on them and stuff, you're going to chip your battery fast. That's just... Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, until definitely. we solve that problem, you know, it's, it's still going to be a limiting factor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, what's up, Tim? How how you doing? Uh, vinyl records and players are hot now. They absolutely are. Facebook user, uh, we need to see who you are. If you could go to streamyard.com slash Facebook. Uh, scrolling down below here so you could uh, enable us so we could see who is speaking to us and get your name and face up on the screen here. Um, yeah, I you know... It, I I'll tell you if if I didn't have a watch I probably would put, consider going back to a uh, to you know using like my iPod now or something because running with like an armband is not fun like I I just have never liked it and and to use like the the clip thing like for the like yeah. it's just not fun it, like not it's just not it's just not good like phones are just too darn big now <laughs> <laughs> well uh, and it seems like they're continuing to get even bigger. Yes. Now, I know that the new iPhone that they're talking about, is like, I think it's like a 6.7 inch screen or something like that. I mean, they're pushing right up against that I seven mean, inch barrier, right? This tablet, it will not be a tablet soon. This will just right. be. Right. You could hold it up to your like, ear, right? No. Yeah, right. Uh, well, that's that was the joke about the iPad <laughs> for the longest time. It was like, oh, are you going to do this? Hold it up to your ear as a phone? Yeah. Like. No, well, it's, it's, not, no, I'm not. <laughs> it's, it's, it, it's these things now is what people are going to be 
use it yeah. more, right? Everything, right? yeah, everything will just get glommed into into that. Well, I mean, right. Amazon's trying with the Ring. I don't know if they do. They even still make the Ring? Is that a thing still? Like, I I feel like that was a really short, probably a short lived thing. Let's see, Amazon <laughs> Ring. Oh, that's good. See, oh, that's see, that's not a good sign, right? Uh, the Ring, as in the doorbell ring. Here's yeah, the ring. right. Oh, here's the echoes. Available only by invitation. Oh my goodness! So really? if that tells you anything. I didn't this even was, know about this thing. So is it like the 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 watch kind of a functionality? Yeah. Wow. So basically, it's just putting the echo, like uh, you know, the A L E X A on your finger. Wow. That um. Awesome. Yeah. It sounds sounds cool. I, I guess. I mean, in the you COVID world, I don't know about talk putting to my the hand finger, in my face. Right? You can talk to the finger. Yes. <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> um, I like the like the charging of it. I don't know. Let's see. Does it say when it was released? It oh, is it like live out that. there? Wow. Okay. Well, because this was a while ago that this came out or that they were they announced. Oh, yeah. 2019 release was the first gen. Wow. I, yeah, I don't know. Because um, they released this with like a bunch of other things like the car, the echo for the car, um, yeah. which I could actually see that being a useful thing thing kind of right um let's see tim says i own the first mp3 player samsung phone enable uh, player enabled samsung phone when i worked for verizon wireless uh been a loyal samsung guy ever since and it was a flip phone uh just as i think i got this figured out Joe. awesome jim glad to glad to see you uh see you in here uh so we could <laughs> we could see who's saying the comments um speaking of that like so what was your first MP3 player, Rob? Do you do you recall? Uh, it was a creative um, little portable, you know, you know, holds like, uh, I think it was uh, like one or two megabytes or something like that. It was just, you know, something uh. I plugged into my, my Windows XP device. And then, uh, and then I also had a, a, a pocket PC too, a Windows pocket PC for a while too, actually. Oh, I had one of those, the eight iPac. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, the iPack yeah. or the the Dell, Dell. Um, there was a Dell one. I, right, I didn't right. have that. I never had that one. I had the iPack, but I, this was my first MP3 player back in 1999. Oh, the Rio, that's the right, Rio 500, and I love this thing. I remember I got I specifically asked for this one because I had upgradable storage with the. Right. I think it was smart cards at the time. Was it smart cards? I should know this. Like, yeah, smart smart media cards, and right. I think I had like a 64 meg six you know card and i remember wow, the, the 600 <laughs> yeah and my sister got the the rio 600 like the year later or something like that and right. i'm like well this thing sucks because this you can't upgrade the storage in this thing and it's only it doesn't have much storage like it's a fancier looking player sure uh oh, oh i had this thing too i had this oh, another rio. yeah yeah right. this but this this was a if this, if I'm not mistaken, this was a CD player. That's why it shaped the way it shaped. So this was a CD player that you could put MP3s on, uh, burn the MP3s to, uh, Rio Forge. I don't know if was, this is the specific model I had, but um, they don't have a picture of the the, the 600. It, it, the, the 600 looks something similar to this. Um, so it was a little bit different, fancier. Oh, here it is. This this look this thing right here. Mm-hmm. So it was a fancier looking, you know, it was way fancier than my 500, but it only had 32 mm-hmm. megs of storage and wasn't upgradable. Oh. So I'm like, well, that stinks. Like, I wouldn't want that. 
because um, <laughs> I had a couple. I had a couple smart media cards at the time. Hey, Ross Brand, how you doing, man? Hey, Ross. Uh, let's see who else is. A, do you guys have a topic you're covering for this for this bad boy? Love the chit chat though. Uh, yeah. We're, so we're talking about longevity in podcasting. Right. So, uh, yeah, well, we've been, we've been talking about that and then we just kind of got off on a tangent with, uh, yeah. With, how do you keep you know, going? Right, Joe? Is that, yeah, the, how, how yeah. do you, how do you keep going? Well, I just, uh, I, for me, it's been a little bit of a different journey probably for, for many other podcasters just because I've, I spent most of my career helping others, um, do this. Right. So, built you know built a lot of relationships with a lot of um people doing podcasts uh and that's what really keeps me motivated is the people of the podcasting medium um you know and and being available and and helping and being a being a resource to helping people get started and and reach their their dreams with, with this medium it's it this this medium is just full of so many positive and amazing people and that's what's kept me me motivated over the years really is to just stay connected with the community and and you build a bunch of friendships and you build you know it's like this the show that i do with todd cochran the the new media show i've been doing that show with todd for 11 years you know and so i mean i started working with todd with my show when he launched the tech podcast network which was the very first podcasting network to ever exist um so I got my show. It was part of like maybe 10 or 10 or 12 shows that were all getting together to start a network. And so we cross promoted each other and all that stuff. So it's always been about building friendships and building um, relationships to help others and share information and share um, whatever you could share. Like I, I used to take my servers that I used to use to stream my old my old show online and i offered them to the tech podcast network so all the tech podcast network members would upload their episode up to my server and i would stream them for for the tech podcast network off of my my network so we all kind of worked together and we all helped each other and, th- and that's what really kept me going is the community of this uh, of this medium and and joe you're doing a terrific job with your your community too and you're that's probably what keeps you motivated too i would imagine is all your, all your friends that you've developed in the medium. It, lately it has, right? Because my my main podcast is, you know, was the Dreamers podcast now uh, right. the Super Joe Pardo show. Like I right. I love doing that, but I I'll tell you, I ha- what I haven't done a great job of is organizing that as well as I've organized the Indie Pod community, right? As mm-hmm. well as Mapcon the Indie Pod community. So, when mm-hmm. when at what point can I stop saying Mapcon? When can I stop saying MapCon, Ross? Hey, I still wear the MapCon shirt that says podcast. Oh, I do too. Yeah, all the time. That's an awesome shirt. But the thing is, is, is it's not brand like it's not branded no, for it's that, not that way We're anymore. coming up on a year, like late, like you know, in September, a month from now, it'll be a year. Actually, well, almost a month. Good to, it's it's good to transition people like that though, because I think a lot of people heard about MapCon, and to have it map now to indie podcasters, you know, I think it's good. Well, so, thank you. No, I, you've I driven too. driven just, the point home for me. So, oh, thank you. That, that ding ding. I'll take I'll take that. I'll take that yeah. win. You know, yeah. I, I I just I didn't know like, I, it, it, even like saying like, oh, my show was originally called the Dreamers Podcast. Like, at what point can I just be like, it, it it's the Super Joe Pardo show? 
period. That's it. Hey, like, end of whenever statement. you want, Joe, it's your and I show. I guess when I feel right? comfortable about it. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, I, right. and, and I guess that's, uh, <laughs> thanks Tim. I appreciate so that. We, soft and comfy. They are Joe. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you did a great job of picking the, the fabric out. I have to well, say, thank you. Thank you. You know, I, I can't take all the it's credit. An old for that. Zune shirt actually is what I'm wearing right now. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. That's a Zune shirt. I can't, yeah. I can't see. Can you stand up? Yeah. But wow! How about that? that? On the shirt sleeve right there, it says. Huh. <laughs> That's crazy. That doesn't have the logo, the, the Zune logo. Did that come after the fact? Uh, well, Zune made a bunch of different. Like, uh, I've got like a, a Zune frisbee. I've got a Zune Rubik's cube. I've got. Yeah, you don't got the I Zune, was the you're not the guy. person that got the Zune tattoo, did you? Are you? You're no, not no, that no, guy, no. right? I just, no, that was okay. a different guy. But no, I've got this whole story. whole kind of storage room full of old Zune stuff, right? I pull them out and take take pictures of it sometime. And there, you, you'd be surprised, Joe, how, how many people, how many Zune fans are still out there. Because I mm. post these pictures online and my Twitter feed just goes nuts. It's like, yeah, I like that. I, I miss my Zune. I miss, you know, because, I mean, it was a cool, cool device. It's just it got... It, it got trashed by by culture. Culture trashed it. Like the some movies out there still trash the Zune. Yes. <laughs> There's nothing else to trash in the world. Let's trash the Zune because, right. uh, you know, it, it happens. It happens. Uh, it's an easy target, I think, is what it is. And it's funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> it, re- it really is an easy target. Um, so... I'm sorry, I'm just thinking about the guy that got the Zune tattoo. <laughs> you get the closet of merch, he's got the ta- the tattoo. I mean, it's just... Yeah, he took the tattoo off is what I heard. So. Did he, I, oh, you, know, I, you know what, now that you mentioned, I think you're... Yeah, I think I remember hearing that. Uh, I'm, 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 let's see. Consi- Zune guy considers new tattoo in 2009. For anyone who doesn't know this, <laughs> this is the guy <laughs> that got a Zune tattoo. And in 2009, they were talking about him, you know, changing, changing it into. <laughs> <laughs> what an evolution that is, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. So, um, <laughs> so yeah. So, uh, I, you know, yeah, I think I think you're right. I think at some point, it, I think at some point, it doesn't really matter because not not everybody understands the marketing anyway to to like to that level. Of uh, like, eh, you know, it it really matters, and and it it could be in a in a history book somewhere at some at some point. But it, it, yeah, I think you're right. So the icon, you know, um, no, the the shirts themselves. That uh, I meant to say this. The the shirts themselves are uh, we're we're gonna get shirts made up for this upcoming event, but they're gonna be separate. So like, you have to order it through uh, a printing thing. And I also wanted to say thank you know not. Uh, to take all the credit for those shirts being super soft is I got to give credit to uh, uh, Michael O'Neill who who was like you know for anyone who does who doesn't know this story right so uh, they he I, I asked him I said uh, so so Mike what uh what you know what kind of shirt do you you know what size do you need and uh, for you know for the event and all he's like well if it's not one of these specific types of shirts uh, don't even bother get me one and I was like no. Really? Yeah, and I was like, "All right, well, let me look into something else then." So I looked into what he, you know, the shirts that he was mm-hmm. suggesting. I was like, "Okay, it's a bit more money, 
Yeah. But I think we're going to do it. And it was a really good decision because if I, you know, if I pull out one of my original shirts, which my wife wears all the time, she wears the first MapCon shirt all the time. Mm-hmm. I wear it from time to time. Um, you know, it was, it, it's a Gildan shirt. It's, you know, it's, it's stood the test of time so far, but you know, it's not the most comfortable shirt for sure. <laughs> I mean, she, she wears it. She's, she's fine with it, but it's, it's from, to me, it's not, it's not that it's not as great as the other shirts. And it's, right. I very rarely ever see anybody wearing that shirt compared right. to, uh, very few people have that shirt. So, you know, mm-hmm. but the other shirt I see in pictures, even to this day, like last week, I saw two, two separate people posting pictures with their, with their, uh, MapCon, old MapCon shirts on. So I, I, I appreciate it. And I, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, that's a decision that you have to make. And I, and I think how to relate that back to podcasting is and, and branding, like that's a decision you have to make that like, I made a decision that I wasn't going to make a shirt that was basically a big advertisement. I wanted a shirt that people Mm -hmm. wanted to wear and like, okay, and I'm paying the extra dollar per sleeve to get MapCon written on the sleeve. And it's more of like a reminder of where you got the shirt from because not everyone's going to see where you got it from. But like, hey, if you look down, like you look at your watch, bam, all of a sudden it's right there. So, um, you know, I, I... yeah, I didn't do that with this this year's shirt. Uh, I didn't put the MapCon branding on, which was ended up being a good thing, uh, because the the shirts this year were the first time we had two colors on the shirt, oh. so it was way more expensive. And then to add the extra dollar for the for the MapCon logo, ultimately it made a it was actually better because we changed the name anyway. So, mm-hmm. uh, so it kind of all works out. But but that's just you know it's just to. Remember, like, you're probably the only person that cares about your branding, right? Like, right. as like to that level that, like, to know all the ins and outs and all the differences and all the minute things, like, you're probably the only person that's going to care about to that level. Mm-hmm. Unless you get to, like, Walt Disney status, right? Then, right. then like, there's, you're going to have the archivists that are like, so back in 2015, they had this shirt that was a Gildan, blah, 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 that had all these, these logos on the back of the right. shirt, which never right. happened again after that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so when it comes to podcasting um, for you, when did you when did you start to make that that changeover to like I'm going to like I'm talking about well what did you originally talk about with your podcast Oh the like the show that and I started it, before you made the, made the changeover to like I'm going to help podcasters and like that's that's the goal Yeah the show that I started in 1999 was a show about the world wide web and the internet so it was a technology show and and a lot of the early podcasters were you know were geeks um, yes. and and the show that I did on the radio was trying to, you know, trying to share with the radio listening audience back in the early days, 99, you know, through 2006, the growth and development of the World Wide Web and the Internet uh, and what was unique about it, what the cultural impacts were, you know, what was the future of wireless, all this. I mean, it was a future looking kind of show that that I brought on guests. I, I brought on really high quality guests onto that show from, you know, Microsoft and Google and all of the big players at the time, um, that got involved in that show. And it was really just a show to educate people about what the opportunities were and what the future was. Um, I mean, a lot of what we talked about on the show came, came true. Um, and, and it was, you know, a way for people to kind of glimpse what was coming, from a culture perspective, from a technology perspective, and 
from a user perspective. And that's kind of what, what I did with that show. And that's what positioned me really as I moved into um, expanding the distribution of my show, looking at it as kind of like a form of content marketing. So I was, I was doing search engine marketing consulting at the time. So I was trying to get a reputation for myself and then also grow my, my, um, my audience that could be potentially customers of mine. So to help them mm-hmm. with the search engines back in those days. Uh, but that quickly evolved into helping um, other radio people and other people that wanted to create podcasts and online media. And that pulled me into working on platforms. And so I started, you know, working on, you know, building listening platforms and working with those type of distribution opportunities. So that's how I evolved. And that's and that's how you eventually got into like the helping of the people. Because uh, mm-hmm. I mean, as podcasters, we have to know a stud butt ton of things to to make all these things work and right. uh, and navigate those navigate it. So um, so I know that's 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 awesome. And uh, you know, when you say nineteen ninety nine, like I, I immediately go back to like ZDTV and the transition over to tech TV and and yep. John C. Dvorak interviews yep. and things of that nature from that time as a kid growing up uh alila uh, laporte and yeah well yeah that was the next name to come up craig, craig grossman was another one he did a nationally oh. syndicated uh tech radio show that name sounds and, familiar i don't yeah. know and then uh what was the other one there was a woman too that was doing it back then too and i'm just drawing a blank on her name right now she's still a podcaster but uh, like on ZDTV and and uh, Tech TV. No, no, on San- nationally syndicated radio, she was. Uh, um, oh, okay. Kim Kim Commando. That so, name sounds familiar too. Yeah, yeah, she was doing a doing her nationally syndicated tech show back back when I was doing mine, and also worked very closely with a guy guy named Ken Rakowski, who did uh, Ken Radio, which was a very early tech talk show. Um, hmm. that, that started doing podcasting very early, but he was doing a lot of streaming stuff. And I was doing a lot of streaming stuff too back then. Cause I mean, a lot of the people uh, that were connecting to the internet back then didn't have fast internet connections. They, they were on dial up modems. So it was very, very slow data connections. But, hmm. um, but anyway, that, that's, you know, that's kind of my roots. And, and if you fast forward to today, it's like everything has changed. You know, the technology is ubiquitous in our lives now. It is, and yet still seems like a, a a massive undertaking for a lot of people to get to that level of understanding to even do what well, we're doing right here, right now. Yeah, right. It's complicated. Um, now, what what do you? What's the number one thing that you would attribute to being able to stay on top of this ever changing landscape of podcasting? Because I'll be honest, even as people look at me as like a podcasting leader, like I, there's things I don't even know because I'm not reading the tea leaves all day long in the internets and yeah. all that. Like I'm I'm busy trying to build two businesses at once and you know keep yeah. a community rolling and and all that. So. Um, yeah. What's, you know, what, what, what's, what's one of your secrets to, to stay on top of this? Well, I think that they the realization and, and throughout my, my doing my radio show is just accepting the fact that I don't know everything and just the sheer curiosity to, to learn and being open and listening to others and, and just willing to, to try things. Uh, even though things break, I mean, I don't know how many times I've been through a frustrating experience, even 
getting my new studio set up here was very frustrating at times mm. and and working through all the challenges that are related to technology can 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 be a challenge so it's just being patient uh being persistent and just um you know being a good person to other people too i think is the other key to making all this work too is just be a resource to other people give as much as you can to others and opportunities come your way from that. And I always saw podcasting as just a, a way for me to reach more people and connect with people uh, as, I mean, I'm really at the core of who I am and my background is I'm really a sales guy. Um, I have a marketing degree, but really what I've spent most of my time doing is um, sales. I, I used to work in the grocery industry for many years um, and what I did in the grocery industry was I, I sold hot dogs, bacon, lunch meat, um, oranges, orange juice, all that kind of stuff for many, many years, um, even turkeys. So <laughs> for a certain period of time, uh, sausages and all sorts of stuff. So I've, I've worked in the grocery business for many years. So that makes that background was very much a hardcore marketing thing, right? TV, radio, billboards, sampling and stores, uh, more traditional marketing kind of practices. And I just saw the internet and what was happening with that was kind of like an extension. You know, I used to work for the Florida department of citrus for five years. And I did, um, you know, I built the first website for the Florida citrus industry at floridajuice.com. And, um, I was like raffling off sailboats off of that website back in 97. So it was really kind of a, um, kind of a scary time for the citrus industry when it came to uh, technology. Cause I was out, I was out in Seattle working for the Florida citrus industry doing mm. stuff that they, they had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> and, and, and when they found out what I was doing, um, they were a little freaked out about it cause they, they like to be in control. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I was just a rep out there doing stuff, right. Trying to generate sales in my market. So, so yeah, so the whole tech thing has always been just a marketing opportunity for me. Yeah. 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 Well, I, you know, tech, uh, has, has always been good, good to me, except for the fact that I hate computers because they never work the same for somebody else as they do for me. Yeah. There's always uh, a bug with them, right? There's always some, um, update that's not working or some software that's incompatible with something. I mean, it's just one thing after another. It, it it truly is and and you know for 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 me it's not a big deal because i'm there and i can i have you know 20 plus years of experience and diagnosing mm -hmm. and realize you know working around and coming up with the, you know ways to make things work that shouldn't probably work uh but when it's talking to somebody else they just have no idea and of course it doesn't work for them and i'm like right. well it worked when i did it so i don't understand i don't know like what's wrong with you no right yeah it's the user right <laughs> <laughs> it's uh it's incredibly frustrating but besides that like i do i do love tech and uh yeah you know i i i think um to me i i think the biggest part of the longevity of content creation, because like I, I've been creating content since like 96, 97, creating websites and stuff as a 10 year old kid, you mm -hmm. know, making websites uh, in front page, you know, GeoCities, Tripod, Angel Fire, all those things. So we have a and, common, common background on that. I did the same thing with front page. and Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Ah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yep. So, you know, I was creating like cheat code websites and stuff for video games and all that. But, you know, I, 
I, I, to me, it's just always about wanting, like wanting to help other people, wanting to bring other people together. Really it's mm-hmm. cent- people centric is the whole, you know, as a whole is what it, for me, it's always been about even just starting up the, you know, the, you know, independent podcast conference. There we go. I right. did it. Independent <laughs> podcast conference. Uh, <laughs> you know, that it, it really was about bringing a whole bunch of awesome people together, uh, a whole right. bunch of podcasters together. Right. So, uh, Brad, Brad says, uh, technology is dynamic and always changing. It, it is. And, uh, and I, and I really resonate with, with what you said about like, we, you know, we, we don't, know it all right because we're 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 busy running our our businesses and and what you know what we're doing um so sitting around reading a whole bunch of tech news is great but it's not necessarily uh you know the end all be all and there's always somebody creating a new service with a new thing with a new spin with a new this or a new that so Mm -hmm. you know to be able to just sit on top of that is a full-time job Mm -hmm. uh just to be on the lookout i mean i wouldn't be surprised if somebody like a gary vaynerchuk just had somebody just like all they did was just scour for new social media networks and new you know things to for for them to create and subscribe to and see if there's any buzz to create around that thing Um, well and he also has um such a following out there that uh people uh, are telling his his listeners suggest things to him all the time i mean that's the same dynamic that I felt with my radio show for many years was the, the audience was driving a lot of what I was covering in the show because they would discover stuff and then they would send me an email about it or they would share it on some social platform or something like that. And I would pick it up and run with it and, and do some content about it, right? I'd dig into it a little bit more and learn about it myself. But it was really about that interaction with the audience too which is another form of like you were saying i mean it's like a, it's a passion this is a passion business and it's a people business Absolutely. we're we're on microphones we're communicating people are watching us we're we're interacting with people it's we're this is a people business and that's that's what i have to keep in mind and that's that's why coming from a background of sales is very appropriate because as a salesperson you have to listen you have to take what people tell you and find objections, find things that they don't like and try and overcome them or try and help them through them, right, to get the sale. So there's a lot of similar things that all of us do. We, I, I don't think a lot of us even realize that when we do podcasts like this or we help people, we're going through a, somewhat of a sales process um, of trying to determine what their needs are, what they're having struggles with. And then solving those problems. And if you can solve the problems, you're, you you can have a sale or you can have a deeper connection, you know. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, yeah, that, that sales is all about listening. And listening is not a passive uh, right. skill whatsoever. So, you, right. you know, and as a podcaster, it's one of the, it's one of the biggest skills I had to hone. Uh, even though I was already a pretty solid listener, I, I really had to, like, refine and refine that skill even more and more uh to be able to break the barrier of knowing what to say next mm-hmm. <laughs> you know in, in listening to what that person is really saying and, and being able to help elevate what they said to the next level and and in turn elevate myself and elevate the guest all at the same time so right. you know listening is like a, a huge 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 deal um you know and if you're not if you don't if you don't believe that, well, then you just haven't done it enough. I don't think it's, 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 <laughs> yeah. this is really what it's all about. It's listening. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 
it's a no brainer actually on that. I mean, if you're really involved in it, you're, you have to be listening because if you're not, then you're just talking one, one dimensional. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, with the, with the time we have left, I really wanted to dive into, you brought up during, uh, I forget which, which virtual conference, uh, you were speaking at specifically. Was it the beginner one? Yeah. Uh-huh. Or monetized one. Okay. And you, you started to talk about going into the idea of like a talk that could be all revolving around being a, a co-host of a show. Well, a host and, and a co-host or being a guest too. They're, they're all kind of similar in their composition, right? Yeah, well, yeah, they, they are. Um, but specifically, I, I, you know, I think the co-host dynamic is is really important like as a person who has been a co-host uh, uh three of my podcast endeavors um and and now well te- i mean technically four but like i was the host they were like kind of like the guest co-host kind of thing going on mm-hmm. i don't know mm-hmm. it wasn't really like a co-host like a equilibrium of 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 uh power so how you know how how did how did that dynamic? How have you learned to live in that dynamic? Well, I think you have to treat your co-host um, like they're just a regular guest, which means that there's common courtesies that you need to maintain with them to keep their their loyalty and not not shift too much of a burden onto them. But um, because at the end of the day, really, as a host of a podcast it's really the host show, right? So you need to take responsibility for as much of the show as you can, because that's just the the right thing to do. But it's also the right thing to do for your audience too, right? Is to be that leader of the program. And any kind of co-host that you have typically um, is is really in a supportive role. And it's just a matter of, of creating a dynamic between you that creates that. It's almost like what happens like on a sports broadcast where you have a, a lead uh, play-by-play person, and then you have a color commentator, which is what mm-hmm. they commonly referred to. And, and those are that's a person that adds color to the conversation, adds depth or adds data or adds some sort of a detailed perspective on the, the main thing that's going on in the program, which is usually driven by the host itself, right? So you need to keep that co-host a little bit at a distance. Don't overload him or her and just give them a role that's easy for them to swoop in, um, dial in what, whatever it'd be on, on uh, Skype or on zoom or whatever and do their thing. Right. It's not like you have to prep them a lot or anything. I mean, it's always good to share an outline with them so they know what's coming. Um, but just use them as kind of like a, like a sounding board, somebody to talk to because some people are really good at doing solo shows and other people, have to have somebody to talk to. And I'm, I'm like that. I, I need to have somebody to talk to on my podcast, um, because I'm not that great of a solo caster. Um, and, and that's, that's, we all need to recognize what's, where our strengths are and who we are as personalities. I always do better talking to others and, and that brings out the best in me. And I, I want to bring out the best in my guest. And, and that applies to a co-host or it, it applies to just a regular guest. And, and I, I think those are the keys and, and just 
building a friendship with them. But there's also this factor that I talk about in this this um, presentation that I do around chemistry between co-hosts too. Um, it's always good to to spend time with your co-host before you bring them on your podcast. Learn about them. Get build a friendship that's that extends beyond just the podcast where you understand them. You have talked about issues. You've talked about things and maybe there's secrets that you guys share with each other um, that are not about the podcast, but you've built this bond with each other of how you communicate. It's like the show that I do with Todd Cochran with the new media show. I've been doing that show with him for so long. I can, I can answer the questions for him right? Of exactly how he's going to answer them in, in many situations. Because I've heard him talk about things so much that I understand him. And that's that chemistry that, that's really kind of a, a you know, a magic um, element that you need to develop in your show is that chemistry. And then also, when you develop that chemistry, the audience will connect with your, your co-host. Um, um, and then also will connect with you. And, and that that dynamic between you um, is just really can be magical because you can, you can almost finish, finish each other's sentences. And it's just, it, it just, it steamrollers over time. And the longer you're with somebody, the stronger that, that chemistry is. And it's, it's terrific for the listening audience. Yeah, no, it is. And I've, I've noticed that, um, because like my first co-hosting experience was in 2015 i believe with mm-hmm. uh the show called living the dream where we interviewed disney legends and um so i had my, my co-host krista and it was it was great uh i kind of still wish we were still doing that show but you know it, it had like a third it, we did like 35 episodes and and then we we parted ways um not for not getting along just differences in in direction of where we wanted right. the show to live and be so um which you know obviously it happens and uh so i um it wouldn't have worked if we, you know, if we didn't have a good like chemistry and a good working understanding of like how each other talk and like. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have a blooper reel that I mean to this day I, I still watch it and it's hilarious. We did like a promo video. Uh, it was at a Disney bungalow, like at the Polynesian resort overlooking the magic kingdom. So they got the castle in the background. Like we're sitting on the deck and like, we're doing these things and it's just, it's, it's, it's pretty funny, um, to watch how many times we screwed up just saying some simple, we didn't have any teleprompters or anything. So, (laughs) you know, but, but it's, it's one of those things like it, it enables you to have like this, uh, cohesion and this mm-hmm. ability to draw more people in right because people want to feel like even if you have conflicting feelings about the people that are on the show right like there's people that are going to fall in love with you rob and there's people that are going to love todd and they're going to love to hate todd right, right. or they're going to love to hate rob and they're going to love right. todd like right that's the kind of cohesion that I think you you're always looking for, right? And and in my our newest show or one of my newest shows, uh, Business Geeks Podcast, where I do it with Jennifer Crawford from uh, she, DC Podfest is where mm-hmm. a lot of people know her from, uh, and uh, Samantha Riley from from Australia. You know, we we try to have it, it's it's funny because like sometimes like them two will glom on to like the same ideas and like they're like yes 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 I love it it's great it's great and like and then i'll be like okay 
how can I twist this and like give a completely different answer so that I'm not like, yes, 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 yes. This is awesome. Great job. Great job. Write that down. Write that down. Um, you know, it, I, I don't, I, I, I want to not, not that I'm trying to like try to play a character, but at the same time, like we, we have to find mm-hmm. uh, the topics that enable us to like let our personalities diverge from each other right. so that people right. can kind of glum on. And as long as they don't hate your voice, they will probably <laughs> enjoy the show right. as, as, a, as a, you know, as an avid mm-hmm. listener of voices. Like that's a big thing. People have to like your voice or they're just, you know, it's just not generally going to work out for you right. with them. Right. Um, but, you know, voices are an interesting topic, too, here, too, because I think voices self-filter your audience, too. And this concept of people being worried about that their voice um, is not good enough or something like that is is totally off the mark. It's not how podcasting works. Mm-hmm. Podcasting is a is kind of a self-filtering medium, which means that people that, that like you uh, – are attracted to your show is just getting them to try it. Right. And there's this natural kind of, um, um, kind of, kind of attrition and new people coming in and out of shows, people stop listening, new people start all this stuff. And that's what you want to create as kind of like a, a flow of audience through your show, because over time, what you're doing is you're, you're racking up more long-term listeners. The more people you can cycle through the show that, that like, either the host or the co-host or whatever, and want to hear what they have to say. But you're right. Exactly right. Joe is, is a little bit of controversy between the two co-hosts is always a good thing. A little bit of a friction there, a little bit of a twist or a little bit of a comedy angle too, or, or one of the co-host, I mean, the co-host kind of teases the host or there's an interesting dynamic there. I think another one that's really interesting is um, Dave Jackson and Jim Collison, which, mm. which are, are an interesting combo as well because Jim is a Jim's a little bit like me. He's kind of laid back. He's kind of easygoing, but Dave's like a like a comedy card over here, right? You never know what's going to come out of Dave Jackson's mouth. So you have a little bit of a contrast that's going on there, where I can be a little bit kind of you know milk toast, where you know an extreme character. And I had this dynamic on my Spreaker Live show where I had a co-host. Alex, uh, what was my co-host on that show? And he was like an extreme um, character, kind of, kind of a right-wing extreme. You know, it was very bombastic. Very, you know, he he would like yell into the microphone. And I get these emails. It's like I hate Alex. He's always yelling into the microphone all the time. But you know, I keep getting these emails from these guys too, complaining about Alex week over week over week because <laughs> they keep coming back, even though they, they say they don't like him. But but then they say, well, I. I stick with the show because I like listening to you, Rob, you know, or something like that. But they, they'll hate on Alex, but they'll keep listening. You have this Mm -hmm. kind of interesting dynamic that happens. That's really interesting. And it sounds like you've experienced a little bit of that too. Yeah. I, well, yeah, I definitely have. And the other, the other thing I would bring up is, is having different, your voices sound different. Cause if you both sound the same, it's really hard to tell who's talking, Right. you know, from a, from a branding standpoint, it's really not good uh, mm-hmm. to know which one is who's who and and all of that because um, it'll take a while before you start to really hone in on who's 
this voice and who's that voice right. so finding somebody that has a different voice can be you know game changing mm-hmm. uh not just from the opinion standpoint but but from the like i know who's speaking <laughs> when they talk uh especially if there's no video to to yeah. to go along with that yeah and it's good to not have probably any more than like three people on your on your show too which helps with that as well you know i did a show once that had had 12 people on a round table around me <laughs> and it How was one of those episodes Jeez. uh well that one i did back in uh 2005 i i was at a really? a, a trade show called gnome decks um and i had a lot of kind of like you know big podcasters sitting around the the table at the time and we were talking about the podcasting medium and but but yeah i had like 12 people around the table oh so, so it was had... like one episode that wasn't yeah like the it, whole it, show okay i thought you were talking about like this whole show but no, I have no, heard it was of one, that. Though. It was one episode with a, just a large group of people. Yeah, and how that You don't really hear that that often anymore. Right? People don't eh, do that. Very much. We did. So shout out to um, um, uh, Veronica and Stephen Davis because uh, we did oh. something. There was like seven of us. We, we sat in our. Okay. You sat in the circle at Podfest, and uh, we passed uh, the microphone around, and, oh, and, did? And, okay. and each gave our answers to like the questions that Veronica was dishing out, yeah. and. So I, you know, as a as a once in a while thing, I, I get it. As um, but there is an example. Uh, there was a Disney podcast. I don't know if it still exists, but they the guy who who created it. Uh, I think he left or something like that. But he ba- they basically set up a podcast with like twelve hosts, and they would just rotate out the hosts. Oh, like so so like it wasn't it wasn't twelve hosts every week. It was like four to six i think might have been the top and then they would just rotate out because not everybody was capable of being every single week and not everybody had a take on the topic or something like that which i think is interesting but can be quite confusing for somebody listening i think the only way to me the only way that would work is if you took 12 or 10 or whatever it is right you took those you took People who are already podcasters, like I know Joe from Super Joe Pardo. So like now I'm listening to Super Joe Pardo, kind of like the 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 super band. Was it the super bands? The, the mm-hmm. um, what's the what's the the term I'm thinking of? Like the uh, where you take like the best players from like other bands and you put them in the, the like a super band. Mm. Is, that, am I, oh. am I spe- is that the term I'm thinking of? Um, mm. Oh, sure. somebody can help me in the chat here, so I don't sound so dumb. <laughs> uh, it's definitely oh, supergroup. It's a supergroup, right? Super so, group. Okay. and and like that was the concept behind the business geeks, right? Like you're taking three business experts who all have their own podcasts or their own, you know, followings and things, and you're bringing them together uh, to do a show, right? And it's not mm-hmm. a show that's an extension of their show. It's a show that's like kind of off the cuff and a little bit different mm-hmm. and more personality and opinionated than say like hard lessons uh, for, you know, like a hard educational kind of business type show. And that's where like the business geeks come from. But, but even like my favorite Disney show of all time, WDW today from back in 2004, 2005, the, the mm-hmm. four people that they brought together all had their own followings, right? You had Len, who had touringplans.com, uh, Mike, New, uh, Mike Newell, who had, uh, uh, what's the name of his, it was like, uh, oh, I'm thinking, blanking on the name of it, it just doesn't exist anymore either. Um, 
something. It was like it was Disney Radio, basically, like the mm-hmm. Disney Walt Disney World Radio. I think it was Walt Disney World Radio, actually, because oh, it was all okay. the music from the parks, like just playing on like six different um, three sixty five channels, you know, the live three sixty five channels. And then so he had his own following. You had Matt, who was a blogger for a while, and you had Mike Scopa, who has been you know had been blogging for over a decade at that point mm-hmm. already. Mm-hmm. So he had a huge following. It's like you took all all these people that had their own things bring it together all of a sudden you got the super group together and and it becomes its own its own thing right. um and 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 so i think it's important too like when uh, looking at who you're going to pick for your co-host like what are they going to bring to the table because i've heard and i know you i know you've ha- had this story right how many how many stories have you heard where it's like I brought this co-host on and now they ain't doing anything and they're just like showing up and I'm doing all the work and I'm doing the editing and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. They're not even sharing it like, and they don't even have a following. (laughs) So it's not even like it, you know, I'm just by osmosis getting traffic. We're getting traffic from that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) How many times, how many times you've heard that story? Oh yeah. I mean, it, it, it happens, but you know, I walk into those relationships without a lot of expectations of the co-host. I mean, cause you know, week over week, you just don't know what they can or cannot do. Right. So yeah, you just take on all that stuff and, and what you get from them is the content, right? I mean, unless you're doing some sort of revenue share with them or they're, they're part of the, the business of what you're doing with your show. It's, it, it, it can be different where you, you could shift some responsibilities over to them. Um, mm-hmm. Like, you know, the example with the new media show that there is a split between responsibilities. I'm, I'm in charge of the content of the, of, of the new media show and Todd's in charge of the technical and distribution side. So we split that up. So, but we're both kind of like, you know, have many years as hosts and stuff like that. So it's, it's kind of like a joint co it's a, it's a true co-hosting type of relationship with that show. Um, so you can split up duties, but I just think you have to be careful with that because oftentimes people will get into situations where they'll, they'll hand off the publishing to their co-host and their co-host will, you know, set the passwords to their hosting account. And, and, and then at some point you, the, the relationship will break up <laughs> and the co-host will go off with access to the distribution side. And then the host would actually owns the show. You know, there's a parting of the ways and there's a disagreement and then they have to fight over who has access to what and the show sometimes can get taken down. But if you're the host of the show, you're taking control of everything. You have access to everything. Um, then, then you have less potential of issues. I think. Yeah. Yeah. No, it definitely, uh, it definitely can get ugly, especially as shows get bigger, longer. Um, yeah. And it, yeah. And, and it can be a shame. I mean, but that's all like even bands, right? They get, they get contracts oh, yeah. and like, yeah. The band can sue one member of the of the of the band. I think it was recently like some uh, one of the Aerosmith oh, people were being sued. <laughs> like one of the one of the band members were being sued by Aerosmith uh, right. for for not showing up or something like that. So yeah, yeah, uh, it happens. Yeah. yeah, no, it definitely definitely does. And uh, yeah, so I so that's that. So I'm looking forward to uh, hopefully getting you to speak over at uh, Icon Six, not mm-hmm. to put you on the spot. For, yeah, I'd be uh, happy to. No, it's, yeah. I mean, you don't have to do a bunch of convincing. I'd be happy to do it. 
<laughs> well, thank, thank you so much, Rob. I, I greatly yeah. appreciate it. And uh, well, if I want to be supportive of you and your oh. your events, and what you know, I've been in, involved in your events for many years, and I always enjoy them because you're all about community. I mean, look at the name of your your conference, the Indie Podcast stuff. That's 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 the community that I I love about this medium is the indie side. Well, thank you, and I I'm very grateful for that, and I'm grateful to have you in you know in our corner yeah. and. Uh, and, and we will continue to, uh, to fight for, for the indie podcasters, right. uh, and, and make sure that these, these companies like Spotify can't come over and just, you know, trounce all over, uh, and, and basically right. steal the, the rights to, to shows and, uh, and, and, and almost like lock out, uh, you know, the independent podcasters. Cause that's, I mean, I, and I, and I, you know, huge Todd Cochran fan, shout, you know, shout out to Todd for, for drum, beating that drum constantly about owning your platform, owning the rights, owning as much, you know, right. being able to take it to where you want to go. And, um, mm -hmm. I, you know, before we wrap up as a co-host, as two co-hosts that, uh, have worked for different, <laughs> different podcasting competing hosts, how how's that worked out over the years? As much as you, I guess you can get into it without <laughs> making trouble for well, yourself. Well, Todd, Todd and I go go way back to the content side. Like I was saying earlier in our conversation, my my radio show was part of his tech podcast network back in two thousand five. So oh, I did not know I mean, that. He, yeah, I, I mean, he and I go back way further than us competing with each other. So and then I started doing the the new media show, which was called the Saturday morning tech show. Um, th this was way, way back in back when I was working for, for Microsoft and zoom. So, mm -hmm. so, you know, back then we weren't comp competitors. So it, it just happened that I, I, I moved in that direction and, and, um, we kept doing the show. It was really as simple as that because our, our friendship and our knowledge about each other transcended anything that we did professionally and in a lot of ways our, our our philosophies are very compatible with that because you know i want to be helpful to the podcast community he wants to be helpful to the podcast community and there's just a lot of compatibility on that um main philosophy so we don't dwell on the competitive aspects of it though there are times like like when i went to um, went from Spreaker to Lipson, todd was pretty pissed off at me for a while because he wanted me to possibly go to work for blueberry so so it was just it's just one of those things right where we're we're kind of competing with each other but yet we're we're friends and we see each other's value in the in the podcasting market of helping podcasters and really looking out for them and that's that's what i'm all about too and that's a lot of the reason why i've jumped on and gotten involved in the the, the podcast academy as well is is that i want to be that guy that represents the indie community into that organization yeah, I didn't even mention that you're a Hall of Fame podcaster, which uh, I apologize for, for okay. that. But it is, it is in the background. I, I also, how many ATRs do you own, or is, are these are those not ATRs behind? Uh, I have two. Of them look like they are two ATRs, and I've got a a Samsung Q2U, which is oh, okay. uh, the one on the top shelf there, mm -hmm. and then uh, then a Rode Rode mic uh, on the is that blue raspberry? Is that a blue raspberry? There. Uh yes, correct. It's oh, okay. Yeah. How yep. is that thing? Is that good? Is that any good? Yeah, it looks it's cool. A, it's a fun microphone. I don't actually use it much, but yeah, that looks cool in the background. This is <laughs> this is this is my daily driver now, which I've ha actually had this mic 
since uh, about 2009. So, oh wow, it's, it's not in. It's doing fine. So I own three of them. So it's just. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow! I own two of them. One of them doesn't work, and I got to get it fixed. But when I see the when I saw the price of how much it costs to get them fixed, I'm like, eh, I can hold well, on that. And how much it costs to buy a new one? That's oh the yeah, the price has gone up. I think um, I think when I bought it, it was like three fifty or something like yeah. that. Yeah, that's about uh, that's about what what I paid for these. Yeah, yeah, I think they're four hundred now for up to four fifty in some places. So. It's uh, it's not cheap, uh, and to get it fixed, I think it was like two hundred something. So at the time, it was like two twenty or something, and I'm like, well, I could buy a new one for three fifty, right? And now it's four hundred, and I'm like, uh, I wonder how much now it costs to get it fixed. It fixed. <laughs> yeah, but that, but it's just been sitting in my box. Like, I, you know, it's a shame. Is is it worth? And I, I, I was like, oh, you know, I don't need this anymore. I'm going to sell it. So I sold it, and then they returned it. Like it was an eBay deal or something, they returned it and said, "Oh, it doesn't work." And I'm like, "What do you mean it doesn't work? It, it only you only got like a handful of use." But I'll tell you, it's hard to get other people to talk on the SM7B because they don't know how to talk. They start talking back like this, and it's just like, oh, "Well, yeah, like, it, you can't talk like that. You got to talk into it." You gotta- yeah, and <laughs> and you have to to drive the gain on this thing too. I, I had to get yes. what they call a a, a, a cloud lifter. Yes, I have a cloud lifter as well. Yeah, yeah. and those are those are like one hundred and fifty bucks a piece. So, they so as you think about buying one of these things, I mean, I mean, Mackie does a pretty good job on the mixer side of having preamps that can that are clean that can drive these things with gain. Um, but I'm, I mean, I even have a Mackie mixer here, and I have a cloud lifter, and it just gives me the the power that the, it really exposes the capability of this microphone. And mm. because if you don't have it and you're having to overdrive the, the gain on it, it, you know, you lose the quality. So, um, that's, that's the trade off, but it makes it expensive. If you're paying 400 for the mic plus another 150 for the cloud lifter, you know, that's makes for an expensive microphone. It, it yeah, it absolutely does. Uh, and, you know, I, really, the only reason I think to get one is is if you really want to isolate the sound around you. Right. It's got That's great only rear reason. rear rejection. Yeah. I mean, like if I, I don't know how much you can hear that, but yeah. Like, well, it's a it's a it's a dynamic, right? And it's it's got a big big diaphragm in it, and then the you have to be pretty up close on it to get it to to work for you. Yes. Yeah, you, you do. Um, and it's tough too. It's, it's really tough to work with too, because if you talk too loud, too closely, then you start peaking and it, it's just, yeah. it can be, it, it definitely can be a bear to, uh, to work with. So yeah, it, it's one of those things where you just have to, um, really, you know, weigh, yeah. weigh whether you actually need something like this. In most cases, a hundred dollar microphone will, will get you well and beyond where you want to be. But when you have kids, and you want to be able to sound a little bit better in an environment that's not super mm-hmm. tra- sound treated. It definitely, you right. know, fits the bill there. Right. No, I agree. I mean, it's it's something I I, I just have had for a very long time. Um, actually, before it was popular, but it's, it, it, <laughs> it, it, it it seems like now everybody's got these things. Now it's like I can't believe how, how many people are using these for podcasting now. Yes. It. it uh. Yeah. It is. It is crazy. I mean, well, it's the sound, right? Like they they want the they want the sound, but you can get that sound just by using a mixer and a lot of other microphones. You just won't have the sound rejection. So right. it's really about sound. And, that, and believe me, I have thought about putting a a shotgun mic up in front of me, but the problem is, is I have. 
there's a you can't really tell, but there's a fan back there on the ground. There's yeah, an air conditioning pick it unit up. right there. Oh, absolutely. And then every time I type on the keyboard, like my my clickety clacks will come right on through, uh, <laughs> and, and they kind of already do. But you know, it's a lot more limited, um, you know, than than otherwise. So yeah, and my my early days of doing doing these things, doing podcasts and radio shows, I used high end condensers. Um, in my home studio and those things, I mean, you don't even breathe funny. You don't even touch anything. I mean, you don't mm. touch the microphone. You don't touch, you don't even hold a pencil cause it'll pick up all that sound. Yeah, right. Like, right. Well, here's so, me clicking the pen, right. right. I mean, I mean, you can hear, but on a condenser, it's going to be like right there, you know? Yeah. It's well, like, it's one of the reasons the blue Yeti gets such a bad rap because it's right. not used properly. They, they should have made it a, not made it a, a condenser mic, but I guess they wanted to be able to do the guitar. They're like, oh, it's a guitar yeah. thing, and, and it sounds great. I mean, I have to say, you but can, yeah, those those condenser mics. I mean, I I use seven hundred dollar condenser mics back when I was doing doing my radio show, but I had to sound buffer my whole studio. I had to put up that foam stuff on. I mean, because there's just it yeah, was picking up everything. We have the sound treatments all throughout here in the studio. Right. And uh, build them by hand. Actually, they were. It was fun to. It was kind yeah. of fun to play with all the power tools to get them to build them. But still, super kind of expensive, considering that they weren't as expensive if I had bought them online. Well, it was cheaper than buying it online, but right. it still was a, not a cheap endeavor either. Uh, hey, mm-hmm. what's up, Tim? How you doing? Good to see you. Hey, well, Tim. Um, well, I think we should probably wrap up here. We're at okay. an hour and twelve minutes. Uh, was there any last thoughts you wanted to share before uh, we we wrap up here? No, I, well, the only thing I was going to mention is, I mean, it'd be great if if uh, those listening here would uh, pop over and join the the podcast academy. That'd be great because I'm trying to corral the industry together, and and it's going to give give me the opportunity to uh, to maybe do some other things with that organization around standards and best practices type of groupings. There's some needs mm. that are coming in the industry that are going to need all of us to get together on. I know Todd raised one uh, here recently, which was a little con- controversial around um, maybe uh, maybe all podcasters need to get paid a royalty to be in these big streaming platforms or, or maybe making some extensions to RSS spec to add capabilities of geolocation and where the podcast is being made. And I mean, just a lot of things that the industry needs to come together on and there's um, another big one that's coming is the the IPv6 um, online protocol that's going to uh, um, change measurement as well. So these are all big issues that are coming in the podcasting space, and that's not even to talk about monetization issues. Um, so that's but but the podcast academy is really all about at this point, anyways. We're really all about an awards, kind of like the Academy Awards, that kind of a thing for podcasting. So a big time event um, type of thing, and then some educational initiatives, but it's really focused on trying to bring the industry together is what we're trying to do. So I didn't realize. So this is the this is the organization that took over the Hall of Fame. Uh, not from, quite yet. The Hall of Fame okay. is actually owned by Podcast Movement. It, oh, they um, still. Oh, I thought they relinquished right. it to the Podcast Academy. Which well, I didn't we are realize that you were involved with. We are talking with them uh, about making it kind of happen along with the the Podcast Academy of uh, you know events. So it is a conversation that's happening of trying to bring that Hall of Fame back uh, because okay. it hasn't been 
done in uh, two years now. So it's just a matter of um, getting getting a focus on it and bringing it back and getting some sponsors and all, all, all that stuff. I think it's going to happen. It's just a matter of um, probably not going to happen until 2021, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good. I, at least I, I hope it. I hope it does come back. Yeah, I hope so too. I mean, I'm a, really... I'm a member of it. I would love to have it live. <laughs> right, right. I, I, yeah. It's got, it's got. I got. It was a minimum of ten years, so I still got four more years before four more years Go before for, uh, <laughs> before I could even be up for consideration. So I wanted to exist. Darn it! Like, <laughs> um. No, this is awesome. This is awesome, and uh, I I didn't even realize that uh, that this ha- this all just happened. Where you you I guess you came on board uh, July tenth. Um, and no, actually, I I oh, joined the, the board of governors, not yeah, on board. I, yeah, yeah, I, I joined the board of governors back in March. Um, so I've been been going to their meetings and getting involved, and I I I kind of fell into this role of being the chairperson of the organization. Um, so it's just a matter of you know. Um, keep keep pushing and growing the the membership base it's actually 50 50 dollars a year um up until the end of august so if you want to join uh for basically half off because it's it's going to go up to a hundred dollars after that um so so hopefully we can you know raise some money and and be able to start really doing something the the organization already has uh paid staff that's running it um so there are people working on it every day so there's some money behind it then. I mean, right. I see how many, so much support there is right. uh, from some right. major players. I'm surprised. iHeart Media kind of surprises me. I mean, I'm surprised they don't have the. They just, just like, ah, we we have our own. Like it's it's all good. I don't know if they're gonna be bringing that back. So they may. Well, be- I know they spent a ton of money, and then that you know turns out, oh, we're losing a bunch of money. <laughs> like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't be spending hundred thousands of dollars at a time. Well, you know, this whole COVID um, thing is it really had an impact on the radio business. So mm. I'm sure funds yeah, aren't flowing as well as they, they, they were prior. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah. I, I listened to the sports radio here in Philly and yeah, I, I, I could tell when you run the same six commercials over and over and over and over and over again for every single break for, for days and days and days at a time to the point where you actually start running radio.com podcast ads on your, right. on your airtime. Yeah. Yeah, no, that something's not going. Not something's not going right, and they're just trying to fill fill space and take advantage of the fact that they, you know, it's a down, right? It's a downturn, right? So, but, <laughs> but Joe, thank you so much for you know for having me on your show. It's always of great course. to talk with you. You're a great great guy in the space. Everybody loves you. Thank so, you. yeah, thank you. I I I, pre- I do I do my absolute best. I just bit the inside of my cheek. I do my absolute how. <laughs> I do the absolute best I think I can to to bring people together and uh and help as many people as I can in the space and uh you know I I'm I'm excited about what the future holds here uh for the indie pod community and and mm-hmm. especially you know since announcing I don't know if you saw a little while ago I announced that I was turning indie pod into its own full-fledged business rather mm-hmm. than uh just an arm of my an extension of my business so uh so it's so now I'm I went from building one business with like kind of like a pet project thing to like now I'm building two businesses hooray all built into one though right is that the idea yeah. Well, 
well, the kind of. So it, it's still under like the Super Joe Pardo umbrella of because the actual business name is Two Three Four Solutions. Mm-hmm. So so like that's the like the legal LLC name, but nobody really knows that name. You know, nobody knows that name. So it's just it's the Super Joe Pardo business, and it's the Indie Pod. Uh, business that is going to not just be like an extension of what I do, but now like its own, you know, revenue generators and, and actually, you know, start to pay some people and, and bring in mm-hmm. a lot more money than like, you know, 20, 30,000 a year. Like, hooray, that's cool. But like, it's, I put in a lot of work to get that little bit of money out of it. And yeah. uh, it's just because I've left a lot of uh, untapped resources, a lot of untapped uh, time and a lot of untapped things just, you know, and COVID has helped with that, right? Because I have a lot more time at home to, to do these things. And that's how the, the virtual conferences got on the, t- you know, became right. a thing. And um, I really, really wish we were doing an in-person event on September 12th. Like I wanted to do it in my backyard, like right here behind right. me right. uh i wanted to bring 50 people together but like in jersey they they scaled it they just scaled it back because knuckleheads um as the as our governor has called them uh are, are getting together in hundreds of people not not like 20s of people or or, or, or 50s of people mm. um so yeah so we're, we're we're unable to to really do it and the tents are actually getting hard to get at this point so uh, I'm not, you know, I don't want to take a tent away from a, you know, a, a restaurant or something right. that, that could actually needs it to sur- like to survive. Like I can do a virtual event. It's not the end of the world. So, um, no. by doing my part and, and right. hopefully right. keeping people safe and, you know, not having a team is really difficult, right? Because, uh, we, it, you know, we were going to live stream that event. So, and by we, I mean me. So, so I'd be the one setting up all the cameras and the computers and the screens and the, the, the chairs and the, you know, socially distanced chairs and, and, mm-hmm. a, and a, every, like everything. And then trying to keep track of what's going on in the chat with the people who paid for the virtual tickets on top of the people that are paid to be there and like in person, it was, you know, not great. Not, not, right. not my best thought at, at all. Um, <laughs> So it's it, which is okay. We will we will do we will do more in the future. But we're right now September twelfth, Icon Six. It's a virtual face to face event. So we'll be doing it in a Zoom room uh, versus doing it like we're doing right now in Streamyard, going out to Facebook, uh, Facebook, uh, well out to Facebook. And uh, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to it. You can get your ticket today. Uh, we're getting speakers signed up, um, and I'll, I'll have these scheduled soon. I think I'm actually going to close the speaker submissions about a week earlier i was they were supposed to close on the 15th i'm going to probably close them this friday night or saturday so that we can because i I don't want to have a thing i don't want the same problem that we had before where we had like 60 plus people submit and then i feel bad that i had to cut too many people out right so we're not doing two days event it's a one day event and uh it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be a great time we'll do some workshops we'll do the creative podcast competition uh maybe one or two uh panels possibly some separate rooms but i i kind of want to keep everybody in the same room but at least we can Mm -hmm. see each other and get that face-to-face time anyway thank you again rob for coming on i really really appreciate your time and uh i I know it's only like the afternoon there but but uh, i hope you enjoy the rest of your day 
And uh, if you've enjoyed this episode of the IndiePod Daily Show, please share it with the podcaster in your life so they, too, can get some awesomeness informations from Rob and I. And, uh, and please go check out IndiePod University. You can learn to launch, grow, and monetize your podcast today uh, with me, along with me and a growing community over in the university. So uh, go check that out. And uh, I will see you all tomorrow for Training Thursday where I sit down and do a one-on-one coaching session with Icon Brandy here in the community. Looking forward to it. It's going to be fun. Uh, I don't even know. Let's see. What are we supposed to be talking about? What is uh, we're talking about? I'd love to talk about growing listeners and building an interactive community. So if you want to learn more about that, I'll be here. She'll be here. I should be pointing in that direction. She'll be here in Rob's place, uh, and we'll be talking about that. So I'll see you all tomorrow. And remember, as a podcaster, you are a leader. And as a leader, please always consider leading with love. Take care, everybody.